Hello and welcome to Cousin of the Ball in the Post Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben. I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. And Claire. Hey. Today we're going to talk about USOs, Unidentified Submerged Objects. I like this one. Been in the news recently, hasn't it? It has. There's been some footage the Navy have captured, is it? Yeah, yep. Yeah. And we'll go through the most famous ones too. Alright then, so let's start with some new and returning listeners. So where should we go with uh, Calgary, Canada, Amsterdam in the Netherlands, Edinburgh, United Kingdom, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Shrewsbury, that's just up the road from us in the UK, Skerries in Ireland, Lima, Peru, Brussels, Belgium, Al-Rayan in Qatar, that's going to be someone on their holiday, Chennai in India, London, United Kingdom, Atlanta, Georgia, Strathaven in the UK, Gastonia, North Carolina, Houston, Texas, Indianapolis, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, Indiana, sorry, Boardman, Oregon, uh, Zaragoza, Spain, Brooklyn, New York, Detroit, Michigan, Bengaluru in India, Ashburn, Virginia, and Guadalajara, Spain. Thank you very much all for listening. Thank you. Boost my fragile ego. <laughs> Get on with it. <laughs> yeah. So. Let's go with the, and someone needs to say this for me, please. The Baltic Sea. Anomaly. There Anomaly. We go. I can't say that word. I've been trying all day. <laughs> I broke it down. Hard anomaly. Anomaly. Yeah, I can't do it. Fucking <laughs> idiot. An- anomaly. But that doesn't sound right. Anomaly. That's the closest we get. So basically, Swedish researchers found what some suggested may be a flying saucer on the seafloor. There are even skid marks behind a large object that suggested it may have moved across or crashed on the seafloor. Skid marks. Skid marks. Uh, One expert speculated that the object was just a glitch in the team's sonar. New reports surfaced this week the team uncovered a second similar object nearby. But as the report hopped from one website to the next, one thing was missing, an image. Life's Little Mysteries contacted Peter Lindbergh, who led the expedition to get the full story on the elusive sonar scan. So Lindbergh, who successfully recovered objects from sunken ships, announced he had discovered a strange round object at a depth below 300 feet, about 300 feet, which is 91 metres, on the ocean floor in the Gulf of Bothnia, between Finland and Sweden. According to the mystery, he noted evidence of scars or marks disturbing the environment nearby, suggesting the object may have moved across the ocean floor at some point. Mm. Or, you know, it's the ocean floor. The Baltic's not that deep. Isn't it? No, 300 feet in this place, it's not that deep. You're still not going to get skid marks that, that go in like a perfect line. (laughs) <laughs> you never had skiddies. <laughs> on, the, on the sea floor, you know, if it's something natural and, mm. and people are claiming it's, you know, natural markings or whatever, it, it can't be nothing straight. Just like nothing spherical. It's true, I mean, it, it, it is perfectly round. He claims the object, Lindbergh claims the object's perfectly round. And it looks round, that may or not be, it may not be perfectly round, but it looks round. Um, although the resolution of the sonar image is slightly too low to verify it. It is possible the lines that appear to be leading to the feature indicate movement. It's also possible they're unrelated. The object remains unidentified, but many experts question whether the sonar image was accurate to begin with. 
And then a story that ran on Popular Mechanics, which is a website. Hanuman Singh, a researcher with the Woods Woods Hole <laughs> hmm. Oceanographic Institute, explained that the side scan sonar Lindbergh used to find the object is not very reliable. Although it's perfectly useful for finding sunken ships that have a high profile on the ocean floor, it is far less accurate for revealing flat, low formations, Singh said. Furthermore, Singh said there was evidence the sonar was not calibrated properly, but that's what he would say. He's a so-called expert. He's not going to admit there's UFOs crash to the bottom of the ocean, is he? Why haven't they sent a submersible down there? Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. Exactly, because there's only been two submersible things that deep, and one of them was James Cameron, who paid for it himself. Uh-huh. 300 feet, you said? Hmm. That's not that, that's not that far. No. No. But submersibles don't tend to go that deep, I guess. I went pretty deep with, uh, you know, the Blue Planet and all that, man, on the BBC. Mm. Well, this is a slightly older article, so I might have been beaten by them. Mm. But I thought it was the best one to describe what we were talking about. Yeah. CNN's Brooke Bowman claimed the original mysterious object is not on its own down there. The Ocean Explorer team also found another smaller disc-shaped object nearby. Both show a uh, rigid tail or drag marks more than 400 metres, about 437 yards long. Their size and distinctive shape are generating some peculiar theories, including that it could be the Millennium Falcon, Ooh. Russian warships, yeah. Atlantis, that. a marine version of Stonehenge, that's possible, a crashed flying saucer, not so likely. Come on, why can't it be that? I think it's yeah more likely to be a crash flying saucer than Atlantis. Yeah, or is it a plug to another world inside Earth? Ooh, that'd be interesting. I I also read an oh, article. Pull it out though, would you? <laughs> no, because you just flood the next, you flood that dimension, wouldn't you? They'd be pissed at us. We'd have no water left. And we'd have no water left. We'd have to go and live down there. We'd have to invade them for the water we've just given them. Or <laughs> <laughs> living on Evian. I also read another theory earlier which said that this might have been something the Nazis dropped. Fuck me. To, uh, they inter- to get in there, didn't they? They did, because they're in every conspiracy theory. Yeah. There's a Venn diagram, and if it's not, it's not a conspiracy theory, it's, it's, it's got... It's not a conspiracy theory unless there's Nazis in it somewhere. Yeah. Basically, they dropped it, and it's full of electronic shit designed to interfere with um, Soviet submarines and um, warships. They said they went back to get it a second time, and an electronic signal blocked it. That's what the Swedish guys said who found it. They reckoned it was emitting something. Right. Mm. The announcement of a second similar object strengthened the original claim, although side scan sonar is known to create false images. Oh, fuck me. The likelihood that it could create two nearly identical false images is very remote. Mm. Not enough evidence. We haven't got enough evidence, have we? It could have been. Oh, yeah, it doesn't say how big it is either. No. Just he's got these rigid trail drag marks behind it. Mm. They're about 400 metres long. But still, it's it's pretty big if it's showing up on sonar. It's designed to detect ships. It's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to pick up some dead fish or something <laughs> on the sea floor, is it? No. It's, I like it. Especially if it is a missing ship. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like to say I think I need more evidence 
Well, they then say that this is actually, sadly, to piss on all of our chips. Scientists say, but they would say this, wouldn't they? What would they say? They'd say it's actually just some glacial deposit that's sort of uh, mm. formed there. It's probably Occam's razor, isn't it? It's probably that. It's probably a natural thing, I imagine. I think it might be something Bronze Age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a theory. Because it looks like the steps going on the one side. A lost civilization. No, it's something that was built and then flooded. I mean, that happens all the time, doesn't it? Yeah. Built where? Underwater? Yeah. It wasn't underwater at the time. It was the Bronze Age. Three... And, and I don't know. The water's come up three... Yeah, or the water... Or it was, yeah, or maybe it was built on land and been slowly submerged because the sea's filled. I don't know. Could be something like that. Or, let's face it, it's probably a UFO. Or a, a fossilised... Uh, no, <laughs> a fossilised sort of sea creature from from a dinosaur era. Yeah, you don't know, do you? Like a big sea like bite like sort of thing. Sunfish or something like on a huge scale. They're quite roundish. Could be um, a dead or a stingray, but they're um, not massive squid. Yeah. Could be something that's a big sea snake that's kind of coiled up into a circle. I think it's probably natural explanation, but you or know. could be a crashed saucer. Could have been sent here quite some time ago, and they've landed in the sea, and then it was sort of like they couldn't send a signal for any help or anything, or that, you know, aliens. It or could be the button from a giant. <laughs> <laughs> could be anything. That's the point, we need more evidence, don't we? Yeah, we need a better scan. But still... We need to go down there and find out what it is. If it is emitting stuff... Why oh, isn't David mm. Attenborough onto that, you know? Yeah. Surely he's in everything in the natural world. If you go to the unnatural <laughs> world. Send him to the bottom of the ocean. And live his final days. <laughs> report him. Stay 486 world. under the ocean. I think, yeah. I, I think I'm beginning to go mad. That's what my pink elephant friend tells me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, the Baltic Sea. Anomaly. Anon, anomaly. Anomaly. Close enough. The one word I can't fucking do and it pisses me off. Let's see what US submarines are tracking. What are they tracking? Tracking some weird shit. The US are doing it all, aren't they? Got the biggest navy. So eyewitness reports of USOs are nothing new. Reports of them go back many years and some from credible sources. But being detected by nuclear submarines, packed with the most sensitive listening equipment on the planet today, is composed of sonar arrays and computer systems costing hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's another story. Mm. These things are designed to listen. This yeah. is how they survive, by listening out for the other, the other guy. On December 29th, 2018, a guy called Danny Silver brought the following to our attention. He's from uh, the, the silverrecord.com. Tom DeLonge, obviously in his To The Stars Academy, basically says, a few years ago, an unidentified craft was underwater and pinned against the North Atlantic coast by multiple nuclear attack submarines for over a week. Wow. Right. Big if true. Uh, no evidence. Just for him saying it. Yeah. Then there's this first-hand account by a guy who is um, he's an astronomer and UFO researcher, Mark D'Antonio. He runs a special effects company at the time called FX Models that undertakes naval contracts. 
So as a thank you for doing some work to them, the Navy said if I wanted to go for a ride in a submarine. Probably a little short range thing, trial thing. I said, fuck off, I ain't going to the ocean, you maniac. <laughs> <laughs> if I was meant to go to the ocean, I'd have fucking gills. Yeah. Once I was, this is what he's saying now, Danny, once I was under, I was sitting in the sonar station and the sonar operator was sitting right next to me. Submarines are loud, people think they're very quiet, and it's true that they're on the outside because the sound doesn't get out. But inside you hear fans, noise, it's a constant din on the sub. I was sitting there zoning out a little because I was seasick, and all of a sudden the sonar kid shouts, Fast mover, fast mover! And I'm jolted awake thinking, What's happening? Is it a torpedo? The executive officer comes out, and the operator shows him the path of the object. The officer says, How fast is that going? The kid said several hundred knots. Now a knot, I found this out because I wasn't sure, is a uh, 1.15 miles per hour. Okay, oh, so... It's faster than a... Oh, right, okay. So a few hundred miles an hour under the ocean. Yes. That's impressive. Mm. Uh, the officer says, can you confirm it? So he goes to another sonar machine and confirmed it wasn't a machine anonymously. Anomaly. Anomaly, yeah, that. It was real. I thought, wow, that's incredible. So the sonar guy says, well, what do I do with this? And the officer basically just says, you know, log it and dog it. In other words, just log it, bury it in the file. Log it and dog it. Four years later, Mark's knew he was doing some more contract work to the Navy when he spoke to a senior naval official about what he saw. I asked him, can you tell me about the fast mover program, Mark explained. He looked at me and said, sorry, Mark, I can't talk about that program. <laughs> basically confirming the programme exists without ever actually saying anything. Uh, this article talked with a number of sources during the investigation and what we learned is that yes, unexplained noises and even track contacts do pop up on submarine sonars, some of which seem to move at incredible speeds. But it is rare and the data is often inconclusive as to what was actually detected. But maybe most interesting, and peculiarly so, is the Navy doesn't actually have a way to classify these strange sounds as unknown and tag them for further review. Uh, one of our contacts willing to go on the record is a veteran sonar operator and instructor turned pro-gamer. <laughs> yeah. Jive Turkey? Jive Turkey is his gamer tag. How would you become a pro-gamer? You just sit there all day playing shit. Is that it? And then you enter tournaments go to gaming festivals on the scene in and try and become number one. Interesting. So he asked Jive if strange encounters do occur, occur and how they're handled if so. He told me that they do, although they are rare and there's usually no way to classify them as strange. He said, I don't know what they are. We usually logged it as seismic or biologic. We were instructed that nothing is ever unknown. That's the thing, it's so quick you can't measure the speed. In the examples I'm thinking of, it's a detection that lasts uh, a few seconds on the toad array. There is no way to measure the speed accurately because there isn't enough data. So he's saying, yeah, stuff does crop up, but you can never really be too sure. But we're relying on the evidence of someone called Jive Turkey. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's taking that government shilling, man. Uh. Another contact we talked to with extensive experience aboard nuclear submarines noted that the mission is so heavily focused on military objectives that strange sound picked up by sonar don't carry their weight that many think you would you would think they would unless they seem to be some sort of threat or impediment to the training mission or training goals. 
This source also noted they were not aware of any way to even log this type of thing for special review. It, the system just seems uniquely designed for uh, the opposite. So unless it's a threat, they really don't care. Yep. I just want to point out here where the Soviet Union got a, a weapon that can do 200 knots, 200 miles an hour underwater. This sort of thing has been playing around with, you know, getting these ultra-fast torpedoes. And, you know, the biggest takeaway here, really, is that that kind of speed under the water is never is not getting explained and no one has any idea where that information went, or it didn't go. And that mysterious sounds do emanate from the deep and are heard by the most talented sonar operators in the world. Now, as for the quartet of American submarines pinning an impossible-to-identify craft down in the depths of, of the Atlantic, we're still waiting to see any evidence of anything like that occurring, but it does sound fucking cool, doesn't it? Yeah. Again, okay, you know, it's just hearing noises and seeing fast blobs on a screen. It, it, yeah, but that's that's not that's evidence, isn't it? Seeing something on the evidence screen. Evidence is something. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's no windows in a submarine. Isn't there? <laughs> you know how complicated it is to get the toilet on a submarine no it's like you have to do, you do your business but to flush it you got to open like a system of valves in the correct manner otherwise you'll flood the sub yes yeah, fiendishly complicated there's no way on earth you'd ever get me in a submarine too if you think I'm going to go in a little tin can under all that pressure under all that mm. pressure I know Pete I know someone that was in the submarine service he's only little He's only about five foot five for a bloke. He said that once the engines cut out, the there was a problem with the reactor, the engines cut out, and they just settled on the surface. They weren't in deep water, but deep enough, and you could hear the whole groaning under the pressure while they worked on the reactor to get the engines going again. Fuck that. 12 hours on, 12 hours off. You get into bed as the other guy rolls out of it. Is you hoped you had the, uh, you know, it was always, it was always warm. I sleep in his skiddies. You get your own bed, Mike. Ah, uh, you don't sleep in his skiddies. No. Shared toilet. <laughs> you know, you've got like six bunks just set into a wall. Yeah, three each side with a little curtain across. Yeah. You got no get, privacy. Get a locker. Shared no, toilet. The officers get their own individual room. Gotta be mental. Very I'm sorry. Small, very small room. Very small. It's bigger. Than, uh, I think the captain gets his own bog. Yeah. Other than that, everyone's in the same toilet. Yeah. Or the same couple of toilets, same toilet block as such. But they are all highly trained. I mean, they're, they're carrying nuclear weapons, for God's sake, a lot of them. You know, these guys are meant to be the best of the best, aren't they? They're what they do. You'd hope so. You'd hope so. Anyway, you'd hope they're just as nineteen-year-old kids who signed up because they're a bit dumb and got no chance of promise anywhere else. You'd hope that, wouldn't you? It's probably they give you five thousand pound, like golden handshake, to be uh, a submariner. Yeah. Wow. Well, in our, in our, um, in the Royal Navy. Because you went to join the Navy, didn't you? Yeah. I can't run. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have to. You're on a ship. I know. That's what I said. I said I can swim. No. But yeah, I've got to see a few things while I'm basic training and they take you on visits to see uh, a ship and you actually got to walk round it and, you know, you're just always tripping over the bloody doorways. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I didn't because I'm ever so clumsy. Well, I, I went on HMS Belfast yeah. and, like, I'm not that tall. I'm, I'm 5'10". Even I was, like, 
Like, because you've got to step over the fucking door hatch thing, yeah. you're banging your head off the thing. If anyone was over six foot, you'd have been, you'd been concussed permanently. Mm-hmm. Imagine Crouchy under oh, Crouchy, they wouldn't even put Crouchy <laughs> in a submarine, Peter Crouchy, England football. Hey, what's who tall is he? Six seven. Six seven. Imagine a basketball player who were like six, six eight, six nine, six ten. You just wouldn't put them down there. Huh. You'd have to make giant submarines. Yeah. But now nah, there's no way on earth you'd get me stuck in a tin can under the sea. And if it does fuck up, it's usually always fatal for everyone involved. Nah. Alright, let's do the most famous one of all time. What? The Shag Harbour incident. Ah. Uh, you get a cheap laugh at the name. Shag Harbour? Shag Harbour. That's where I spend my holiday every year, Shag Harbour. <laughs> <laughs> so, an extraordinary event in 1967 would practically put the small fishing village of Shag Harbour on the map. Located at the southern tip of Nova Scotia, this rural community would play host to one of the best documented UFO events of the forty year for past forty years. Named after the Shag, a bird of the uh, the Cormorant family. Yeah. Oh, so that's where you go there, you're a train a bird spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what they call them? Bird spotters, is it? Bird spotters. What, there's a little name. Ah, uh, yeah. There's another little name for them. Tweeters. Dorks. No. Dorks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Losers. No, birds are great. Yeah. They got big tits. <laughs> great tits. <laughs> and now this tiny fishing community has always had its stories uh, stories of sea, sea, sea serpents, man eating squid, ghost ships, uh, and would get a, uh, a UFO, a craft of unknown origin. This craft would visit the waters of Shag Harbour permanently stamping the village's name in the public eye. And the first indication of this mysterious occurrence would come from local residents who noticed strange orange lights in the sky on the night of October 4th, 1967. Most witnesses agreed that there were four orange lights that evening. Five teenagers watched these lights flash in sequence and then suddenly dive at a 45 degree angle towards the water's surface. The witnesses were surprised the lights did not dive into the water but seemed to float on it approximately one half mile from the shore. Witnesses at first thought they were watching a tragic airplane crash, which I suppose you would. And quickly reported as much to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, which coincidentally RCMP Constable Ron Pound had already witnessed the strange lights himself as he drove down Highway 3 en route to Shag Harbour. It just sounds like a porn film. Ron Pound, Barrington Passage, (laughs) Shag Harbour. (laughs) Ron Pound. Starring Ron Pound. He's always in a Mountie outfit. (laughs) People dressed in uniform. Oh my God. He'd be a gay porn star, wouldn't he, Ron Pound? Because the Mounties always get their man. The Mounty always gets his man. He's just banging a convict. I'll take your Barrington passage. (laughs) Anyway, Ron Pound (laughs) felt he was seeing four lights all attached to one flying craft. He estimated the craft to be about 60 feet long. Constable Pound... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't get through that now. <laughs> I can't unsee it. Made his way to the shore to get a closer look at the phenomenal sight. He was accompanied by police corporal Victor Verbeke, Constable Ron O'Brien and other local residents. Pound clearly saw a yellow light moving on the water, leaving a yellowish foam in its wake. 
All eyes were glued on the light as it slowly either moved too distant to be seen or dipped into the icy waters. Ooh. So how far is that away from... Uh, it's only half a mile off the, the coast. From the Baltic, you know. Maybe they just ran out of steam, just crashed in the Baltic. How far away are they from? Quite a way away. Yeah, I think we can assume there's a different incident. Unless it really drifted. Oh. <laughs> and avoided Denmark. Mm-hmm. On a mystery tour. Maybe you did go on a mystery tour. Now, Coast Guard Cutter 101. Oh, that's a bit ominous. Don't want to be on Coast Guard Cutter 101, do you? As all the, all the shit goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, other local boats rushed to the spot of the sighting. But by the time they arrived, the light itself had gone. However, the crewmen could still see the yellow foam indicating that something had possibly submerged. Nothing else could be found that night, and the search was called off at 3am. The Mounties ran a traffic check with the Rescue Coordination Centre in Halifax. Facts. Facts, yeah. And NORAD radar at Baraco, Nova Scotia. They were told there were no missing aircraft reported that evening, either civilian or military, so what was it? The following day, the Rescue Coordination Centre filed a report with Canadian Forces Headquarters in Ottawa. This report stated that something had hit the water in Shag Harbour, but the object was of unknown origin. The Her Majesty's Canadian ship Granby was ordered to the location where divers searched the bottom of the ocean for several days but without positive results. Now, as soon as the story of the mysterious crash at Shag Harbour died, uh, as it quickly as it had begun. That is, until 1993, as the original story faded from papers and newscasts, several theories were put forward. One explanation was that a Russian spacecraft had crashed. That would explain the presence of a Russian submarine in the area. Whoa. There was also well, the rumour... Sorry? That's quite plausible, isn't it? Yeah. There was also the rumour of American involvement in the follow-up investigation but there was no official statement from the United States. If it was a Russian oh, spacecraft, I'm yeah. gonna say, could it, I don't think it would have been American airspace during no. the Cold War. It would have been detected, wouldn't it? No, it was you know, Russian spacecraft yeah. and then a submarine's gone like, all right, let's try and recover it. Because they say there's a, you know, they wouldn't... If it's fallen out of space, then that's different, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So the Shaghar incident would have new life breathed into it through the efforts of MUFON investigator Chris Stiles. Love you, MUFON. You always accept our stuff. The case intrigued him so much he decided to search for more details. Stiles found the names of many of the original witnesses through newspaper clippings and was able to interview many of them. He was assisted by MUFON investigator Doug Ledger. These two men would uncover some extremely compelling evidence through their interviews. They discovered that when the divers of the Granby finished their work, the case was not over, after all. The divers, along with other witnesses, related these events. The odd jet that dove into the waters of the harbour had soon left the Shag area, travelling underwater for about 25 miles to a place called Government Point, which was near a submarine detection base. A sexual reference. <laughs> Government Point. <laughs> <laughs> I went from Shag Harbour to Government Point <laughs> with Ron Pound, <laughs> which is near a submarine detection base. The object was spotted on sonar there, and naval pos- vessels were positioned over it. After a couple of days, the military was playing a salvage operation when a second UFO joined the first. Common belief 
at the time as the second craft had arrived to render aid to the first. Ooh. Yeah. At this time, the Navy decided to wait and watch. After a, at least he didn't just depth charge them. Uh-huh. That was something. Mm-hmm. After a week of monitoring the two UFOs, or USOs, some of the vessels were called to investigate a Russian submarine which had entered Canadian waters, possibly because they were tracking it too in the area, or maybe it was a spacecraft. Like a police officer looking at it in the sky going, I reckon that's a craft. That's like, you know, that's 40 metres across. I can see four lights. You got people on the ground seeing exactly the same thing. He sees it go in the water. They see it go in the water. They're all concerned enough to ring up the Coast Guard. Yeah. They're out. Next morning they call the Navy out. They're putting divers down. They don't find anything, but maybe it's just moved off a bit or it's deactivated, gone to the bottom. Well, it's enough for the military to take it seriously, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, they did. I think it's the strongest one of the three. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've said before, haven't we? We know more about the surface of the moon than we do about our own ocean. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know if there's another life form down there. Do we? We don't know. Could live in the deepest chasms where we've got no chance of going. Yeah, but you might think you might find some dead bodies washed up. Yeah. some point through history, uh, I don't I believe that. Or maybe there's an alien base in a very deep part of the water. Maybe. And it's easier for them to avoid detection by just diving into the middle of the Atlantic than it is... Where extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Joel Osteen's making made 50 million quid by saying there's a magic man in the sky who'll get cross if they don't give him money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because people are thick. This has got more evidence than his Bible. <laughs> yeah. Join yeah. the court of... The, sorry, join the church of Shag Harbour. Mm-hmm. I'm the Reverend Pastor Ben Carter, and uh, we're going to worship whatever crashes the ocean that night. I'm Sir Shagalot. <laughs> I'm like you, Sir Shagalot. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather be Ron Pound? <laughs> <laughs> Taking a man's identity. <laughs> Rodney Pound, then. <laughs> Rod Pound. Oh. Even better. Claire, who do you want to be? I don't know. <laughs> you can just be a witness if you like. Just a, just a witness. Oh. <laughs> to the orgy. <laughs> it's just like smoking. Like, if it, if it, if, oh, it's good stuff. <laughs> it's watching an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> the lights. <laughs> I do like that one actually. I really do. Something you know. Obviously, the second part of it where the it does a runner, you know, escapes. It's tracked by the the sonar the point, a government point. Designed to pick up submarines, they pick something up. Well, they were watching it for a little while. There's, yeah. there's going to be information that they've still got that they haven't released. Maybe. Or maybe we'll just never know. Yeah. The fact the Russian sub turned up at the same time and some of the Navy ships had to divert off after that is coincidental, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Russians and the aliens are working together. Well, they tested each other's defences, didn't they? And they probing all times, I imagine. No? Probing by Ron Pound. Rod Pound. <laughs> Ron Pound will probe you. Shag Harbour. <laughs> He'll take you to Gumbert Point after you've been to Shag Harbour. Fucking <laughs> okay, hell. Alright, that's our USOs. 
Mm, I'm not entirely convinced. I need more evidence. I mean, there's the, that one. The Pentagon stuff's pretty. I mean, that, at least at least it's visual. I can see it. That looks weird. Don't have spherical orbs that's, that's yeah. captured infrared. They seem to sort of descend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of them tic tacs are, go- are going under the water, mm. aren't they? Yeah. To get away, you know, it only makes sense the submarine crews are picking that up. Yeah. I'm open to the belief that there might be UFOs. I suppose I've got to be open to the belief there's USOs, isn't there? There's not much difference. Yeah, they can go through space, they can go in this yeah. water, can't they? Possibly hiding there, aren't they? That's it. I still think we need more evidence. Alien base. You and me, Claire? Secret underwater alien base? Hmm. I just think they linger, you know, until it's alright to come out. But they, yeah, but they linger too much if they build their own little like, place with domes down there. No. Yeah. I'm not going to go with that. It's Far yeah. too rough, and yeah, they, they'll linger, watch us for a bit, and that's about it. Yeah. I think that they're just observing. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with that. Probing us. Are we, the we, probing time's gone. That was in the. <laughs> <laughs> they're just watching there and seeing how things unfold. We're being monitored. They're looking at our tech. They're seeing if they can take us. Obviously. No, Makes, they've well, got more tech than us, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's if it's going to cost them too many resources, it's not the one they're going to get. It's not worth it, is it? Mm-hmm. They're clearly observing our military. Is there a reason for that? You know. So get you know what I'm saying is just get ready to fight in that alien war. <laughs> get ready, get drafted, even if we're mm-hmm. too old. It doesn't matter. Here's your sharp stick. We haven't got enough guns for everybody. I hope they're not them white spikes out of. Tomorrow War. Oh, that was a fucking great film. You don't want me fighting one of them, would you? Yeah. With woefully inadequate weaponry. Yeah. They're using submachine guns against something that can stop bullets on its back. Yeah. I want something a bit bigger. That was a great movie, that is, Claire. If you haven't seen that, watch that Tomorrow War. There's a lot of plot holes. Yeah. I mean, but... why didn't they use future weapons? Why are they taking weapons from 30 years ago into the future? Yeah, you'll have people just go out there with a sharp stick. Yeah. Beat it on! <laughs> Hand-to-hand combat. Yeah? Sharpening their kitchen knives. Nah, you're not, man, come on. You met a... Let's see if... That, the plot of that movie, let's just briefly talk about it. Spoiler alert. Like, the, the manufacturing base that Earth now has got, compared to the Earth in 30 years, we could just give everyone the best fucking weaponry to go back with. Within a week? What do you mean to go back with? What do you go forward with? There's more guns in America than people. There's really more guns than people on the planet. Give everyone an AK. Yeah, but we're logistically shit. If, if like, you, you got to have bullets as well, remember? Yeah, he's... Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so I'm like the high alien and I send like a message to the White House saying we're invading next week, you know. Well, it might even be today. They could do it today, wouldn't they? They wouldn't wait. They wouldn't be like, oh, we'll come next week. We'll give you some time to get some of your puny little bullets together. And, you <laughs> no, know. that was in the, they have to go. They jump thirty years into the future to fight the war. They just kind of get dumped there, don't they? Mm. You do. So us, for in example, this film, yeah, yeah. we watched. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to time travel. Yeah. Anyway, you got a twenty-five percent success rate of coming back. The odds are that low. 
And if you do come back, you're probably horribly psychologically damaged and will never say a word again. Unless you're Chris Pratt. Yeah. Good movie, though. Yeah. Right, so, um, you got fucked up facts, Mike? If you want them. Yeah? yeah? Just before we do fucked up facts, I will point out that we've had some background noise and everything. But it's literally a bit of heat wave in the UK, and we don't. And I know some American people think that it's not that hot, but bear in mind, we don't have aircon, and all our houses are insulated to hell. And it, and it fluctuates from like, you know, early teens to like 20 odd, 30, very yeah. fast, doesn't it? It does. We, we don't get any build up. No. It just goes, hey, here you go, here's 30 degrees, have that. So it's, it's too hot to sit in a sealed room, so we do apologise, but please try and understand where we're coming from. All right, Mike, let's do some fucked up facts. Okay, got a jingle. Facts, facts, fucked up facts, facts, facts. Facts, fucked up. Facts. The Burj Khalifa. The what, the what, sorry? The Burj Khalifa. Are you talking about Khalifa, the bird? No. It's a massive building, isn't it, in Dubai? All right, never heard of it. Haven't you? No. Burj Khalifa. I'm oh, probably not pronouncing it right. Like the, like the sand. They I guess. The sand and made it look like a leaf. I think it's the tallest like bird in the world now. No, nah, that's it? that's a Palm Springs resort or something like that. Can I have a look at how it's spelled, please? No, no, no idea. Is it one of the tallest? It might be the tallest. I think I know the one you're on about. It's a it's massive Dubai, tower in Dubai. It's it's a bit like the Shard, but a lot but bigger. Everything's got to be bigger in Dubai, isn't it? Oh God! I, I saw this thing the other day. Uh, is a little bit of a fucked up fact. Uh, the Dubai or the Qatari police, one of these little rich, oil-rich Middle Eastern nations, is trialling hover bikes for their police officers. Mm. Yes. Right, they cost 80 grand a pop, and they're like a bike, motorbike, with four propellers. Oh, wow. They, they, they fly, which is great, but you're going to dice some civilians, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you go on, then, what's up, there's a... The Burj Khalifa mm. is so tall that Muslim residents living on the highest floors must wait an additional three minutes to break their Ramadan fast from those on the ground floor as they experience sunset later. What a bastard! No, yeah. Oh man, I need a drink. Oh, no, I need something to eat. I'm so hungry. You can hear them downstairs partying. Yeah, they're like, "Woo, food!" And you're just like, "You bastards!" Like you probably can't hear them, but. Oh, if you wanted to watch the sunset, take mm. a lift, providing it goes faster than the sunset, right to the top. You of could the watch it twice. Yeah. yeah, that's some time travel shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched a program with Brian Cox, and he was in a in a jet. Yeah, went up just as the sun set, and then chased it. So you go faster than the Earth was spinning. Spinning, yeah. So this, he he, he got a. The sun, sunrise again, the sunrise. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is awesome. Bit of time travelling away. Yeah. We aren't entirely made of stardust. Oh, but that, there's my favourite quote gone. Mm-hmm. We're all stardust, baby. About 9.5% of the mass of the average human body is made up of hydrogen atoms that are older than the stars. Hey, older than the stars. Formed in the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago. Wow. That's mental, that shit blows my mind. I know. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Oh, there's bits of me that are older in the universe. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Can't comprehend that. No. Mind fucking it. Mind blown. Worker ants take about 250 naps per day. 
Oh man, I wish I was a worker, man. Mind you, I had to work my fucking balls off in between. How long's the nap? That ain't last a minute. Oh! <laughs> One minute, 250 times a day. Yeah, but to an hand, that's probably like an hour. I mean, how long's an hand live? Well, it's probably not very long. Two minutes an hour. Uh, one minute is an hour. Comparably, in, in terms of lifespan, yeah, probably might be like an hour. I mean, I love an hour's power nap. I'll look, I'll take a 40 minute power nap. Yeah. I was watching one drag a dead moth through the grass the other day. He stopped for a while. Maybe he was having a little, you know. Yeah, probably. He's probably having a little nap. Yeah, a little nap. A dead moth, that's impressive. Mind you, ants are fucking strong as hell, aren't they? Yeah. As I learned from the movie Ants and A Bug's Life. I picked, picked him and the ant up at one point and put him closer to <laughs> his destination. <laughs> The garden god. <laughs> fucking garden god. <laughs> what if that? Just took, yeah, but what if that moth? Miles you, off his off his journey. Yeah, but what if that moth? Like I don't know. The, the DNA of the moth gets into the ants. Before you know it, you've got moth-winged flying ants coming at you. I don't know. It was dead. I'm assuming that's just a little snack for him and his colony. Yeah, well, it would be a little snack. Yeah, I watched a. A flying ant caught in a spider web the other day. I was like, ah, great. The smoking area's been full of flying ants. And I went by the door, I had to scan in. And I was like, oh, look, there's a spider there, devouring, like, webbing up a flying ant. And I was like, oh, good for you, mate. Good for you. Only time I watch you a spider, but good for you. These bastards have been landing on me up for the last 15 minutes. Little bastards. I hate the fucking things. Well, maybe they sniff the dust off the, off the moth's wings. Mm hmm. Yeah, hi. Hi. Have yeah. a little party. He's like, this guy will oh, keep us going for days. Yeah. I think it was eyeshadow I did. <laughs> off the moth's wings. Have you no way. touched a, a moth or a butterfly no. wings? The, the colours come off on your fingers. Oh, wow. I used to think it was eyeshadow when I was a kid. <laughs> That's how they harvested it. <laughs> uh, the wings of moths. In butterflies, yeah. That'd be tragic. Used to like I know, yeah. Like hundreds and hundreds of millions of butterflies and moths just being farmed their their fucking colours. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> Another insect one. Yeah, go on. Dutch scientists have trained bees to stick at their tongues when they smell the coronavirus. And what use is that? Detect if someone's got coronavirus. Yeah, I've also got to be like. You got to cover them in bees first. <laughs> exactly. I've got to put a bee in the room with them, yeah. and then I've got to make sure the bee sticks his tongue in. So I'm looking through it in some kind of high-powered magnifying glass. Must be. So why not train a dog to do it? Mm. How close has it got to get as well? Exactly. Like freak the people out with it, yeah. you know. What if it stings them? Yeah, this isn't a good way to no. detect corona. Train a dog to do it, for God's this. sake. They can sniff drugs as well. Bees? Yeah. Again, you've got to release a load of bees <laughs> into a room full of drugs. Into an airport. airport. <laughs> this isn't going to be a good idea. This is a terrible idea. Are they having in boxes? They like chlorine as well, bees do. I do they? Yeah, because yeah. they kamikaze into, a, into the pool. Uh -huh. And I, and I read about it on Google. Attracted to it because our normal water sources have got a slight bit of chlorine in. If they smell it at a higher level, like you have it in, you know, your paddling pool in the back garden, they, they yeah, that's why they kamikaze into it. Water! Hmm. And then don't realise they're going to drown. 11 year old Caden Griffin did a science fair project to attempt to determine if your cat's butthole touches all the surfaces in your house. It probably does. <laughs> it probably does. No, actually. Cat owners will be relieved to know that he determined that their long and medium-haired cat's buttholes did not touch any surfaces. Well, 
I know my dog's butthole uh, touches the carpet on top of the, <laughs> the stairs mm. every morning. She itches her ass. Oh. <laughs> I don't know, but I know that Max's dick touches everything in the fucking front room. I know that much. <laughs> and he hasn't been done, so sometimes you know you get a bit of bit of discharge, should we say? <laughs> Dude, Max has. I think Ted's been done. Yeah. Yeah, Max hasn't. So you sometimes if he gets a little bit excited, I. He you, you, you licks it too much. <laughs> then, um, you know, you get a bit of discharge on that. So you have to sort of change the throws on the sofa immediately. <laughs> change them every day, virtually, <laughs> to be honest. On your dog bed, I'd say. He doesn't have a dog bed. He doesn't like him. He prefers to sleep on the carpet or the sofa. Boy, my dog bed. Every dog bed that dog's ever had, he's ripped up. doesn't like him. Prefers to sleep on the carpet or the sofa. Mm. According to a study by the British Cheese Board... Oh, well, these are people I can get behind. <laughs> of all types of cheese, eating which before bed is most likely to result in bizarre dreams? Can anyone guess? Um, something strong, surely. Shropshire Blue. Close, I think. Shropshire Blue's... Um, it's got that nasty cheese with the blue it's, bits in it. I love it. It's Stilton. Stilton, yeah. yeah, it's blue Stilton with yeah, a. That's it's, the one. It's got oh. a bit of a bit of chive in it. Oh mate, no! Melt that on a burger, blue Stilton with a bit of chive in it. Oh, oh it's my, magical. My friend has it on pizzas. Still oh pizzas. yeah. Nah. Oh, I go for that. That'll make you dream from some funny dreams. Yeah. Oh, that'll make you see aliens. <laughs> it will. Genuinely. Melt that onto a burger, it just goes liquid, it's beautiful, and you got the chive in it as well, it gives a little bit of crunch. I want steak with a bit of a Stilton sauce, oh, that's yeah. okay. Always Stilton sauce for me, oh I love that shit. Yeah. In 1948, two pickle packers in Connecticut... That's pickle packers? Pickle packers! ...were arrested for selling pickled cucumbers unfit for human consumption because they would not bounce when dropped from a height of one foot. Is that you suggested? <laughs> Must have been. That's fantastic! So, so it's okay to drop it. After, it's okay to buy it after it's been dropped on the floor. As long as it bounces. As long as it bounces. <laughs> if you quick enough, you can catch it, I suppose. You peel a cucumber, don't you? You not? No. No. I don't, yeah. no. I, don't, I, don't, I don't eat it, so I don't know. I don't like you it. sliced it, didn't you? I sliced cucumber. Cucumber is strange. Well, I don't like pickles anyway. Do you when Steve said he pushed a cucumber up his ass? Did he? Yeah. Oh, was that a carrot? I don't why, think it was a why camera. did he do that? He was weird. <laughs> Not as weird as ancient Roman women. They wore nail varnish made from lizard's blood. That's pretty metal. And bleached their hair with pigeon droppings. Again, pretty, pretty metal but gross. And then the butterfly eyeshadow. And then the butterfly eyeshadow. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. Yeah. Savage. Savage <laughs> women. Oh, Roman women were, you know, they loved to fuck. Yeah, they looked good. They looked good. A sperm whale head contains more junk than brains. Oh, that means I've got too much plastic. No, junk is a fatty substance that sits just above the whale's upper jaw. <laughs> no, so it's just. I think he's making a joke. Sperm and his junk, you know. Yeah. Bubble. Yeah. Seventy-three yeah. percent of people have a drawer full of miscellaneous junk in their home. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Batteries. Bottom drawer. Everyone oh, shit. That, Miscellaneous goes in that. A light yep. bulb, a piece of string, some shoelaces. Oh, there's a packet of Rizzlers in there as an emergency. Yeah, the nasty ones. Yeah. 
For women in medieval Europe, wearing weasel testicles about the thigh was thought to prevent pregnancy. <laughs> well, it put me off. I know, yeah, no one will fuck them. That's like, oh, me. Jesus, what are those? They stink! Just decaying weasel testicles. I'm on the moon anymore, darling. <laughs> Get around the other side. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bit late. Ooh. Is sodomy okay in the Middle Ages? <laughs> I doubt. I doubt it. Is it more religious? Then again, I mean, I'd, I'd imagine people did it anyway. Yeah. yeah. They're not sodomy free. No. Yeah. Do you know where the biggest grower of legal opium poppies is? Afghanistan. No, that's probably illegal. <laughs> All right. Legal then. Oh, uh, give us a clue. Is it in the West? No, it's uh, it's in the it's in. The very bottom, very bottom, very south. Argentina. No. Africa. No. South Africa, I mean. No, further. It's Tasmania. Oh well. Oh. But they've got a real problem with local wallabies getting high and passing out in their fields. <laughs> that was wallabies. In 1746, a judge in York ruled that bagpipes were an instrument of war. Yep. Funny, believe it. That's all they're good for. Scaring the enemy. Yeah. They're not much of a tune, are they? No. Sort of make you cringe and sort of... Ugh, ugh, that's terrible. But if you charge into battle beside a bunch of men in skirts and the guy wearing the... You know, guy playing them is also wearing a skirt and he's walking calmly through the artillery fire while looking, and you're like, yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. All sorts... Used to mean the dregs of drinks in a pub. Oh, have a pint of all sorts, yeah, please. Collected yeah. up and sold at half price to quote <laughs> drinkers who are not overly particular. Can believe it? I can fully believe it. Oh, at the trees. Yeah. At the drip trees. I can fully believe it. Cool. Between 1918 and 2012, Marion Stokes recorded every minute of US television on 71,000 VHS tapes. Why? The <laughs> house was made out of VHS. Yeah, she had to buy nine apartments to store them. Jesus fucking Christ, you're one of the cents. Oh, Is she mad? Well, said, obviously. How many, sorry, how many, how many hours did she record? 71,000 VHS tapes worth. Every minute between 80 and 2012. Every minute of every channel. I made the whole apartment block out of it. Yeah, you might as well. The walls, <laughs> bit of glue, gorilla glue, stacked them up. Yeah. This is a new room that made some stairs. That so woman. You have to rewatch them because that'll take a lifetime as well. Yeah. And yeah. so what year was it? What year did you start? Eighty. Is there a correlation then between Betamax dying off and VHS taking over because that woman was mad enough to just keep on buying VHS all the time? <laughs> Probably kept them in But he kept on, he provided the surge necessary to beat Betamax, which apparently were better, but more well, expensive. Quality, quality wise. Yeah, but more expensive. Mm-hmm. I've got a fucked up fact. Mm-hmm. Did you know that between. The samurai era of Japan endings, the samurai ceasing to exist okay. right, as an order, and the death of Abraham Lincoln. For 22 days, the fax machine had been invented. Right, so There's a 22-day window where a samurai 
could have sent a fax message to Abraham Lincoln. No way. Presumably Lincoln was then killed by said samurai because he didn't reply. Mm. But I'm just, you know, how easy is that? That a samurai could have, there was a window of 22 days. Mad, that must be a pretty primitive fax machine. It was yeah. literally the old... Do, 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 yeah, yeah. But it's not a fax machine, it counts as being a fax machine. Uh, why? Information is transmitted down the phone line. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One more. Go on then. In the 1990s, the US military attempted to make a gay bomb. What? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I think I've heard something about that too. Do you spray out pheromones? And... I don't know how it doesn't say, but they hope to distract opposing forces by making them sexually irresistible to each other. <laughs> well, you know what? It's not a bad plan, is it? <laughs> Weaponised homosexuality. I mean, if all the you know, all the troops lined up in their trenches... They're making love. They can't make war. That's it. They may stop fucking when they see American troops charging over their trench line and grab their weapons, though. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, surely... If it's a choice between, like, finishing fucking your mate who 30 seconds ago you weren't interested in, or realising why you're there and <laughs> grabbing the weapon you just dropped, and, and you know, because you might well be dead in the next 30 seconds, I think that... Well, you're going to put your hands up in the air, aren't you? And then you're like, oh, let me grab your weapon. <laughs> well, that's it. What if, what if the American troops advancing are actually overpowered and then... Homosexually raped by the enemy? Oh, I can't see that. Because they, they're all all of a sudden massively into men <laughs> with lust boners like there's no tomorrow. If it's like the rage virus. That's what I mean. They just bum you to death. I mean, it's because it's, <laughs> they're thinking like, if you're going to drop, if you're going to drop a homosexual, a gay bomb, right? You don't want everyone just into a friendly, pleasant guy who all of a sudden takes a lot more care in his appearance and likes other men. For that to take effect, because you're like just to be in a trench with somebody with like smell. You've been in a trench with someone for months, right? Waiting for some and living in the jungle. You stink. You physically stink. You know you are malnourished to a point. You're not looking your best. You're covered in filth. Oh, I stood right? it on. Him <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was that bad. <laughs> right, and all of a sudden the Americans drop this bomb. It releases a load of pheromones and shit into the air. Right. If you all don't start aggressively fucking one another right then, there's no point in that bomb, is there? Because if you just yeah, but if you're just like, so I'm in the trench and I'm North Vietnamese guy and I'm like, hey man, that guy, my my colleague over there, he looks great. Oh man, I'd like to fuck him. And I just start looking at him. Is that enough of a distraction? No, it isn't. They need everyone to start aggressively humping. Right, it's basically gonna be rape. Yeah, but then you'd just be shooting... Then you'd be shooting guys who are fucking each other. Yeah, but that's a lot easier than shooting people trying to shoot yeah, you. Yeah, but my point is, it's going to work to the extent that I'm not going to choose dying while fucking this dude that before <laughs> 20 seconds ago I had no interest in or realising there's a shit ton of American soldiers coming over the hill shooting us and grabbing the weapon I just dropped and firing back trying to preserve my own life do I value my own life over my own (laughs) orgasm is the point I'm trying to make out yeah obviously there's going to be very so they've got to really they've got to really make them aggressively homosexual haven't they Yeah. yeah that's terrifying what about the female soldiers who's going to work on them? Are they all going to go lesbian? Maybe. 
I watched a movie like that once. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I did actually. And on that bombshell. <laughs> yeah, on the show. I'm in Ben. Thanks very much for listening. Follow us on Facebook and cut into the ball in the poster of the apocalypse. SoundCloud is cut into the ball in the PTA. YouTube, it's cut into the, is is put is uh, what's YouTube apocalypse, apocalypse ball. ball. That's it. Thank you. Um, don't join the favorite. Don't join the court. And thank you for listening. I'm in Ben, and uh, you know, don't have lucid dreams and see aliens. Have sex with aliens instead. I think that was on Weird News. I don't care. I'm saying it again. I've heard this. They'll have heard that bit after they listen to Weird News. It'll be fine. No, before. That's the way it's just the way it goes out. Never mind. Oh, well, edit that bit out then. <laughs> edit that bit out then. I'm in, mate. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And I'll be clear. Keep it open, mind, but not so open that it spills out your ears. And don't get sucked into time travel podcast paradoxes. <laughs>